Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 170 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is reading without keywords. And I am talking with one of my favorite people and fellow Gemini, Beverly Frabel. Hello, Beverly. Hello, Teresa. Well, this is going to be the first time you're on a podcast, and we've got two Geminis together. This could be trouble. (laughs) Let's hope it is. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, um, I love it when people have great topics, and you suggested this topic of reading without keywords. And as soon as you came up with this topic, I'm like, I know you're teaching some stuff on this. Um, So I was like, oh, my God. I mean, this is like really, this is like out of the comfort zone because so many tarot books, and as an author, I've written books where we have keywords as prompts, you know, or we have, we tell people use keywords. It's going to help you to really get the tarot down. So why would you, I mean, those are some reasons why you would use them, but I would like to hear your thoughts on why you would use keywords and why you shouldn't or wouldn't or maybe not choose to use them. Well, that's a good question. And a lot of people prefer just to use keywords and rely on that. They're comfortable with that. And frankly, in my, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with sticking with keywords if you've found that it works well for you. What I found for me, though, and I, I see it with others as well, is that once you learn to read with keywords, you're really looking to make it more your own. The reading's more your own. And some of what you're feeling when you're reading just doesn't fit with the keywords that you've learned. And then you begin to expand your mind and you begin to wonder how it relates to other divination tools, which I really don't like to limit myself to just tarot. Um, What I believe is that you can combine any number of divination tools and and use them separately or even intermix them. And I believe that it can enhance your reading. So I kind of visualize this whole pattern or this whole style reading as a parking garage, really, um, where you start kind of on the foundation. You you know, you choose your tool, you, you learn about your tool, you learn the keywords, you become comfortable with that. And then you move on to the next couple of levels where you look at other similar divination tools and you, you figure out how they relate to what you've learned. And then you may pick and choose something different than what you've had, or you may choose to combine those things. And then you go on to even different divination tools outside of perhaps cards, and you begin to intermix them. You know, you can throw Lenormand in there. You can throw even if just sticking with tarot. I mean, you have Rider Waite uh, Smith, you have uh, the Tarot Marseille, you have Toth. You know, all of those things, they look different. You get different messages when you see the cards. Um, and when you begin to combine them, if you decide to go that far, um, it really can enhance your readings even more. Um, And it begins to become something that your subconscious takes over, really, Um, because what you visualize, what your vision sees is beyond what your brain actually calculates when you're reading. Um, So if you can get past your brain, really, and you can touch the part of yourself that's deeper than that, I mean, the way you can enhance your reading is just, I mean, it's without question limitless, in my opinion. So let's say I'm completely new to tarot. I've yeah. just come to it. I've never had a deck in my hands before. And let's say the first deck that I'm getting is the Rider Waite Smith deck. So I've got it here in my hands. Right. And now if I don't have any keywords to go on, and let's say I pull the Ten of Cups, I mean, what would be your advice on, I, I don't have a keyword. How, how am I going to interpret this? 
Well, you know, it, it, you can start with a question or some people don't start with a question. I mean, it, it really, uh, when you're doing a one-card reading and you're seeing that, I mean, obviously that particular card looks really happy. It looks like you're really looking toward the future, in my opinion. It looks like you're looking forward. You're look, You know, the backs are to us, so you're looking forward. And you're seeing a lot of brightness. And a, the color blue really brings a calm about it. The, the, brother, uh, the color yellow really adds some glow to that. Um, I mean, you can pretty much tell a lot about that card without knowing anything about what the cups signify and what that number signifies. The number is another thing that people can focus on. Um, and if you're familiar with numerology, I mean, you can base some of what you're reading for, about the cards based on the number. Um, it's actually the way I read with uh, the patterns or the symbols um, is actually even more helpful when you have a number of cards and not just a one card reading because a compare and contrast of the cards yeah. really tells you a lot as well. well so for one card, there is a limit in my mind as to what you can see outside of a keyword, but it's when you combine more than one card that you can actually begin to see a pattern and, and discern something perhaps different than you would otherwise. Okay. So let's say then we're going to do reading without keywords. And now I pull the 10 of cups and the 10 of wands. Right. So how might a newbie interpret this? Well, it's interesting because you begin to get a, a, a second nature after you reading the cards for a while. The first thing that strikes me about this is the depth of the blue. First of all, there's a lot of blue, and there's a little bit of more white glow in the first card than the second glow. Uh, the second card, it actually looks more serious in the second card outside of the fact that he appears to be struggling. I mean, it looks like the mood becomes a little more intense. Um, and obviously, well, he is struggling to hold things where they're above him. All those objects are above them in the first card. There's two people interlocked, one person struggling alone. You know, without the keyword, you can pretty much get the message there that, you know, you're going from a happy situation to a stressful situation where you're really feeling alone and you're juggling more perhaps than you can than you can handle. Um, you can get that without looking at the wands and the cups and all of those other things. So, you know, in, in other words, we can just look at this almost like a picture book. Exactly. Yeah. And what is the, again, I always say the cards tell a story, but if you didn't have any knowledge of what the quote unquote keywords are, so looking at the images can give you a pretty good clue on how to interpret it. So let me ask you this. What about one of these cards? Because you know, there's a couple cards that you look at it and the first time, especially when you're coming to tarot, you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and the one I'm talking about is the eight of wands. Yeah. Now the eight of wands, here it is. And yeah. I mean, how on earth, if you don't have keywords, are you going to know that they're, I mean, you know, one of the traditional keywords of this is swift action. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you, what you get out of this? Well, see, that's interesting because that, that card is uh, one of my favorites, really, because it has so much ambiguity about it to me. Um, uh, but what I see when I see that is I see something that's heading in an upward direction. I get the sense that it's moving up and not landing down. I just get that sense from looking at that. So it looks like it's moving up and it's moving toward the right, if I'm envisioning it correctly, um, which is, to me, a future position, you know, away from the past toward the future. You also see that there's new growth on those sticks. So there's something new and it's it's actually growing. It's it's not necessarily a dead branch, you know, so it's a really positive card in a lot of sense. There's a lot of things growing toward the future, just from what I'm seeing in there. And again, as I say, when you have other cards, you can relate it in more detail, but that's what I would say about that particular card. So let's say now that what I'd love you to explain, I want you to pretend that I'm a new student, that mm -hmm. I've never worked with the cards again. I've never worked with the cards at all. This is the first deck I'm looking at. 
Um, I want you to explain to me, Teresa, I'm going to show you how to read these cards without keywords. I mean, what would be your process that you would explain? Well, what I would do first, and in fact, I was going to be teaching a class at uh, Reader Studio, and it, uh, because of the situation, it's, it wasn't held. Um, but my intention in teaching uh, in that scenario would be to introduce the concepts first, to give you something to think about so that you have some basis to go on and you're not just really diving in and pulling a card and expected to read it without a keyword. In my mind, you have to have some things to choose from, what feels comfortable, what feels right to you. And I would introduce you to things like uh, how to interpret shapes, maybe comparing shapes and then some examples of that, or some lines or some colors. Um, uh, the characters, if there are characters, really help a lot because they're facing one direction or another or not, and you can compare how that's looking. You can you can even look at the expressions on their faces with uh, Tarot Marseille. It's a lot clearer, I believe, and there's a lot more variety, to me anyway, than there are in some of the other styles of tarot. And, and that can be uh, helpful. The eyes, where the eyes are focused, that can all be helpful. The numbers that are on the cards, which suits are represented, which suits are missing. I mean, there's a lot of different concepts that you can, in your mind, just evaluate quickly, perhaps, and, and, and arrive at some high-level um, analysis before you actually start to dive in and look at more detail. So the Marseille's deck, which, by the way, is the deck that I started with when I started learning tarot, because wow. that, that's all that was available. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I started out the hard way, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that deck, the, the, the pips, which yeah. are the minor arcana for people who are listening, um, are not illustrated. Right. Now, how the heck, if I am totally new to tarot, let's, and you've got these unillustrated pips, how the heck am I going to, without keywords, know what, what's going on here? Well, you know, it's uh, that's a good question, and it's actually what stops a lot of people from jumping to the Tarot Marseille, from my understanding. Um, I uh, chose to begin working only with the Tarot Marseille after I started with the Toth, which I totally don't recommend. <laughs> I don't recommend starting with the Toth, is what I mean. Um, to me, that's, that's a more complex deck to me. Um, but I started with Toth, went to Rider Waite, and determined I wanted to learn more about the Marseille, because, first of all, it's the oldest style of tarot uh, from all the things I've read, um, and it's where it kind of began from all the things I read, and I wanted to go back to the origin of tarot and, and learn more about that. The pips were obviously the, the most challenging part of that, um, and I don't believe you ever stop learning how to read those pips. Quite honestly, I think you, it evolves. I don't think there's going to be one point in your life where you're going to say, oh, now I get what this card says, done, you know, because I think it's going to mean, first of all, different things when you're reading, and, and second of all, it's going to, you're going to notice different things about the cards constantly. Now, for me, to answer your question, um, the way I read the pips for the Terra Marseille is by looking at the patterns. I mean, there are a lot of patterns in things that are represented. Uh, the swords, the wands, the pentacles, um, and the cups, they all, they all are in different positions. And when you, again, have more than one card in front of you, there are variations even between suits. Uh, I mean, between within the same suit is what I mean. Um, there's different sizes. There's different positions. There's different foliage that's around them. They're, they're uh, surrounded by different things. And, and all of those things that surround it by are, are moving in different directions. And there's a lot of different things you can look at to interpret what the cards mean. But I do agree with you that it's one of the more challenging depths to read based on those pips. I do. 
Yeah, it can be very hard if you're if you're not a visual if you're a visual person, it can be very hard. Yeah. So, do you think that people should memorize the meanings of cards or not? I believe you should. You know, my opinion is that you should familiarize yourself with them because. First of all, I don't believe you can learn anything that's not of some use somewhere. You know, I think that anything that you learn can be used in some way. And I think everyone reads so differently that how you use those going forward, the meanings I mean, uh, will depend on what you're comfortable with and what it means to you. But I believe learning the foundation is important. Um, but the the challenge with that is the learning what to leave behind. And that's where in my opinion, makes a good reader uh, based on a textbook reader. You know, textbook readers, anyone can read a book and and just reiterate what they've read. Um, I think really good readers add their touch to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and their touch is based on who they're reading for sometimes, and it changes from person to person. I think, uh, you know, people throw out the word intuition. I think that that's part of it. That may be what it is. But, you know, I really do believe that within each of us, we have this subconscious knowledge, this processing that goes on before we even are aware that it's happened. I think breathing has something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't consciously think I need to suck in air. I need to exhale air. I mean, there's stuff that your body does. Your mind is the same way. Um, So you can train your mind and work your mind to actually notice things, process things without even giving a thought to it. And that's, I think, when you become a really strong reader, when you can do that. I love that because I I think that sometimes one of the problems when you first start learning tarot is people sometimes can rely too much on those rote meanings, Mm -hmm. those keywords. And then suddenly what I find is they get really... Um, what is the word robotic with their readings? Yeah, right. And I've had readings like that where people, you know, they've learned a certain keyword mm-hmm. and they're going with that and it doesn't really flow or apply to my situation. You can right. always tell when a reader has relied on just those and not learned to work without them. I agree uh, because they're trying to fit. And a lot of times it seems like they're trying to fit the situation into this box and it's not, it's like putting this round peg in a square hole and it's really shoving it in there. Sometimes it's not working. Um, I think, you know, there is no hundred percent right way to do anything in my, again, in my opinion. Um, But I believe that uh, trusting yourself and taking the risk is really what makes the difference. And, And that's somewhat training yourself to, feel comfortable with that and, and learn what options are out there, what meanings can be there um, that, that are different than what you've initially learned. So let me ask you one final question. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about people who say to a new reader, just toss the book. You don't need to learn the structure. Just do whatever you feel like. Uh, You know, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that because so many people have done such good work um, in in documenting uh, interpretations of tarot, how to read tarot, um, how to think when they're using tarot. Um, I I don't think that wasting all that history, um, all of the work that's been done uh, is helpful to anybody. I think that it can really make you stronger and it can build the confidence you need. Um, I think you need to be discerning on, on who you rely on who you choose to spend your time reading about um, or whose work you respect. Um, And that has to do with, again, a personal decision. But, you know, there are certain people in the industry that that have really good reputations for being 
good researchers and, and, and good authors and they have information worth hearing. And I think and learning anything, again, um, can only enhance what you do. But I, uh, putting your own touch on it and reading beyond uh, just what the keywords describe a card to mean uh, is really important to me. And that's what I actually focus on. I really love this conversation because I think one of the things that you really are stressing here is that there's nothing wrong with keywords. But if right. you get stuck on them and hung up on them, it's going to make it much harder for you to find your own tarot voice. Yeah, that's and a good we, way to put it. Perfect yeah. way to put it. Yep. We really need to have our own voices. We can respect the information that's out there, but we don't want to become automatons. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Well, Beverly, I really think this topic is awesome. I think you're awesome, of course, fellow Gemini. (laughs) And so could you tell people where they can find you if they want to book a reading with you or take a class with you? Absolutely. Um, I can be reached uh, via email right now at uh, Beverly at Tarot Connections with an S dot com. And I also have a Facebook page called Tarot Connections. Um, I don't currently have a website because I'm trying to do it myself and it's just not my strength. And I'm, I'm about ready to admit defeat there. <laughs> um, but in any case, I, I can be reached. I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways to get to me. Well, I may have to help you to get that website up because I think you're awesome, Beverly. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So thank you so much for joining me here today and for suggesting this topic. I think it's fabulous. Thanks, Teresa. It was a joy. I appreciate it. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And remember, you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, new books coming out, and lots of other good things for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you enjoy the podcast, do me a solid. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to this little podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life, you are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. If you don't like where your life is headed right now, well, you can change that because nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.